Good to see Tony and Vonda, who brought Sister Marie home, I guess. Praise God, we were praying for her. Before I begin into this message, this today is more of a teaching than it is a preaching. Now, I hope you understand that there's a difference. And there's also a thing that I do called a treaching, which is where I teach and I kind of preach too. But this, I hope you brought a pen and a paper. One of the worst things that can happen to any of us as not only Christians, but as people, as people, is we don't walk in our full potential or in our destiny that Christ has for us. Now, one of the biggest things that stops us from accomplishing things is we just never get started. Somebody said, uh, how do you eat an elephant? And they said, you start one bite at a time. You see, because if sometimes when we look at the whole thing, we say, I'm going to have to eat that elephant. No way I can eat that elephant. So we reluctant to start. There's an old saying, the, the trail of a thousand miles begins with the first step. I mean, we have to start. But sometimes a lot of things keep us from starting usually has to do with fear or rejection. But I'm going to talk to you today about getting started. And we're going to, our key verse here is going to be in Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. This should be familiar to some of you. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your servants. And thank you for the ones that have come to hear your word. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I pray for the hearers and listeners to be anointed to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, see, a lot of us come to Christ because we need a new thing. A lot of us come to Christ because we need something new. I thought y'all was, I was worried about y'all for a minute. I was fixing to go put a mirror in front of you. See if you fog a mirror. I don't know about you, but when I came to Jesus, I really needed something new in my life. Oh, man, I needed something new bad. Flip the script, that's right. But, you know, here's the thing that we have to remember is that, that, that Jesus, the same Jesus that made you new that day, can still make things new today. The Bible says that his uh, mercy and grace is renewed each morning. Now, I know some of y'all have been saints for, uh, for a long time. But I'm telling you this. Some of us who've been saints for a long time, we still need something new. Can I just tell you? Is that all right? I'm going to have to preach this. Well, God gave it to me. I have to. <laughs> That's it. So uh, some of us, I don't know about you, maybe you're happy with where you're at. 
But some of us this morning would say we might like to have a fresh start in our Christian life. Now everybody just looks at me and gets quiet. Are you exactly where you want to be in Christ right now? Are you satisfied with where you are in Christ right now? So sometimes we might need a fresh start in our Christian life. Listen, many of us here today have made a lot of mistakes, even as Christians. Unless, unless if y'all are mistake-free, hold your hand up. So a lot of us make mistakes, even, as, even though we're Christians, that still happens, doesn't it? And, and we, we experience setbacks and failures sometimes throughout our lives. Sometimes we allow these mistakes or these setbacks and failures to enslave us to the point that we really never enjoy the Christian life that God has given us to enjoy. You see, your Christian life is supposed to be full of joy. You need to be full of joy, I said. <laughs> I don't, I, all I can tell you is Jesus said I, in John 10, 10, I have come so that they may have life and have it more abundant. That's what Jesus said. So, you know, we need to get to that point because Jesus said we could have it. And if Jesus said we could have it, I want it. Amen? Don't y'all? If Jesus said I could have life more abundant, then I'm in. Let me tell you this, though. He goes on to say that there's an adversary called the devil. And he said that devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy that abundant life that he has for us. That's what he says in that same scripture. Look it up, John 10, 10. Because here's what's going to happen. The devil will remind you of your past in order to keep you from the future that God has for you in the, in the coming up. He wants to hold you down. Remind you of who you was, but I'm telling you today that don't, the Bible says don't remember those old things. You say, preacher, I can't just throw them away. Yeah, you can. You cannot be identified by what you've done in the past. Yes, the world can identify you like that. How do you like it? Tony, how do you like it? Because the world identifies you with something happened in the past. That's it. But we can but individually we can do something. You see what I'm saying? Individually, we know that God at his word says he's going to do a new thing and he says don't worry about that stuff that's in the past. That's what he said. Now, I'm going to trust God over all them people that hold my past against me anytime. Amen. So, Do you know that living an abundant life, life more abundant, is kicking the devil in the teeth? Amen? Don't you want to kick the devil in the teeth? If he's got any. Amen. <laughs> the devil does not want you to have a fresh start in life. Listen, I see people come to Christ all the time. And they do pretty good for a little while. And then pretty soon they're back like they was. I said, pretty soon they're back like they was because the devil pulls them right back down. That's not what Christ wants for you. Christ wants for you a new thing, a new thing. And he wants you to walk in the destiny that he 
Every one of you have a destiny in Christ Jesus. Did you know that? The problem is most of us just don't learn how to walk in it. Listen, even the people who are dying and going to hell had a destiny in Christ Jesus. But they chose not to walk in it. Oh, I'm not sure about that, preacher. Well, I am. Because the Bible said God's not willing that any should die without him. So that's a destiny, amen? The good news is God says, I want you to have a fresh start in life. I want you to have a new beginning. I want to do something new in your life. Aren't you glad that God wants to do something new in our life? Whew, I am. Doesn't it make you excited to know that God desires to give you a fresh start and a new beginning in life? Look, I'm not, y'all, y'all acting like I'm up here speaking Spanish or something. I'm telling you, unless y'all, unless y'all are just happy and content where you are, I'm, I'm happy to have a new start. I'm happy to have a new start. And I'm happy that God don't hold my old sins against me. I'm sure this past year, a lot of us has made a statement. And we said, well, I'm going to grow more in my relationship with God this year. Oh, I'm going to pray more this year. Oh, I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to get more involved with the church this year. I'm going to spend more quality time with my family this year. That list, the list could go on and on, you know. But the fact here is that all of us probably made some kind of promise that we haven't kept. And we made a bad decision somewhere along the way. And some things that have hindered us from doing those things that we intended to do. What is the road to hell full of? I guess you need to say it louder because I don't think anybody else knows. Good intentions. The road to hell is full of good intentions. So, you know, we can intend to do good. That doesn't mean we did good. Amen? Because people are going to watch our actions more than they're going to listen to our flapping gums. Well, this morning, the good news is, according to our scripture, the Lord says, forget about what's happened before and don't even think about the past. Instead, look at the new things that I'm going to do. Listen to what God is saying in this verse. Forget about what's happened before. He says, don't think about the past. It's over. The book's closed on it. It's done with. It's Stick a fork in it. And listen, I'm talking to somebody, too, that, that might uh, have said, oh, you know, one time me and the Lord was just like this. It's over. There's a future to think about. Yesterday's gone. We, none of us here will relive yesterday again. That's gone forever. So we have to live in the new thing. Listen, here's something else that I need to tell y'all. That something new is going to happen to you. Now, it can be good or it can be bad. But something new is going to happen. Every day you get up. We have to make that choice, don't we? We need to understand that God is far more interested in our future than he is our past. Some people think that God's stuck on their past. 
Some people think, well, all, uh, all he wants to do is remind, remind us of things that we've done wrong. Oh, he does, he's up there condemning me all the time. No, he's not condemning you. He's convicting you. Why does he convict us through his Holy Spirit? So that we may come to him and repent and enjoy right fellowship with the Father. You see, he died on a cross so we can repent to make our relationship right with God. God wanted to know, us to know the, some things. He wants to give us some encouragement because he knows that we're human. He made us. He knows what we feel. And he knows when we feel a sense of guilt that, that paralyzes us and keeps us ineffective. Amen? God wants people to know that even though you may be going through some punishment or tribulation, he wants you to know that you're not being forsaken. You'll, Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God wants his people to understand that whatever punishment or trial you're going through is not going to be the end of you. I said it's not going to be the end of you. You're going to push through and you're going to get through. Amen. And God wants you to understand that God is going to give you a fresh start in life and a new beginning in this life. How discouraged do you think Israel was going through what they did? Lost out in the desert. You know, I'm sure they thought this was the end, and it almost was the end of them, wasn't it? Amen. They'd gone too far, and they sinned against God and rebelled against God to the point where he would no longer be their God. Maybe they thought, well, God, God's not going to deliver us ever again. It's over. I don't know if you ever thought that way, but sometimes I thought, well, God can't care about me because look at me. I'm so bad. I'm such a bad case. Let me tell you something. God specializes in the worst cases. He specializes in the worst cases. Amen? He has a habit of making things new. He has a habit of taking a guy named Moses who was a murderer and making him new and making him the leader of Israel. He has a habit of making a guy named David who is an adulterer and a murderer and making him new and making him something that God says is the apple of my eye, man after my own heart. So if you think your story is just too bad for God to use you, think again. Amen. Israel, that, that's probably when they begin to remember the former things or the past deliverances that they've had from God. Israel could remember past deliverances and past victory. That's what they had to go on when they were under trial. Why am I using Israel so much? Because they've been under attack so much throughout history. Throughout history, everybody's been against them, amen? But, but what could they go on sometimes when they felt like God was silent? What could they go on? They had to go on past experiences. They had to remember that God split that Red Sea open for them. They had to remember that God gave them manna and water from a rock in the middle of a desert. They had to remember that God gave them victory when they went over to the promised land and knocked down them walls in Jericho. 
They have to remember those things whenever they're thinking, where's God now? There ain't nobody sitting here that God ain't brought you through something. The fact of the matter is, God wants his people to understand that, that they're going to make it through and that they're going to get a new life. And that, that they're going to, even though you may have rebelled against God and you may have turned your back on God, God wants you to know that he's not done with you. He wants you to remember the things that he's done for you. Listen, sometimes those children of Israel could remember the former things, but they, didn't, they couldn't see their future. They could remember those things. They said, oh, yes, God did that. Yes, God brought us through. But they, they didn't have the mind to see the future that God had for them. Listen to me. I'm preaching to somebody. You, not, you, don't, you can remember all that, and you can agree with me that God is good. And you can agree with me that, that God has delivered you through some things. But I want you this morning to get your mind in tune with the word of God. And when he says, I've got a new thing for you, I want you to get your mind in tune with it. I want you to get your mind in tune when God says, I know the future I have for you. Plans to prosper you and for you to be healthy. I want you to get your mind on the same page that God had. I'm supposed to be teaching, not preaching. Listen, maybe this is where you are this morning. Maybe you feel you've made so many mistakes and you've failed God so many times and you've, you've sinned it all away. Now God don't want anything to do with you. I'm just too bad, Pastor. Now you just feel like you, 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 you may be able to be saved, but you don't feel like you really have a future with God. I got some good news for you this morning. God's saying it's not over. I have a plan for your life. I just want you to get on board and I want you to believe what I believe about you. He said, I want you to believe in you like I believe in you. I want to share something this morning with you. And it's called how to make a fresh start. So this is a formula to help you start or get started. Amen. Say, Pastor, I've been started for 50 years ago. I'm telling you, you need a new start. And here's a new one. Amen. I hope you'll remember this and you'll pass it along with your, to your friends when they have failures. Regardless of what kind of failure you have had in the past, you might have had a financial failure, you might have had a, a relationship failure, you might have had a moral failure, a failure in your marriage. You may have uh, really blown it and you've made some decisions that you're ashamed of. And yet, Listen, you might have made some decisions you're ashamed of and nobody knows about them yet and you're hoping they don't find out. Me and you the only one that's ever done that, Becky, I guess. I'm just going to tell you, regardless of whatever failure you've had in your life, here's how we start over. You might want to take notes. S, you stop making excuses. That's the first thing you've got to do. You know, a lot of times when we get caught doing something, we, uh, Christians in particular want to blame it on the devil. 
The devil made me do it. Yeah, devil don't do nothing. He can't make you do nothing that you can't consent to. You don't belong to the devil. You're a child of the Most High God. How can the devil make you do anything? But we want to make excuses when we do something bad. It makes us feel better. Look, if I want a fresh start in life, I've got to stop making excuses for my failures. I've got to stop blaming other people. I've got to stop seeing myself as a victim of circumstance. Listen, other people can hurt us, other people can harm us, and other people can scar us. But only the person that can ruin your life is you. Nobody can ruin your life without your permission. You have a choice, and that is that you can choose how you're going to respond to all those hurts that you come across. And trust me, you're going to have hurts. You could be the best Christian in the world, and you're going to have hurts in this life. You can't always control the hurts, but you can control your response to it. Amen? The Bible says that the starting point is just to be honest and accept responsibility for my part in the problem. I wonder how much more different it would have been when Adam and Eve ate of that forbidden fruit when, when God came walking down there. If they would have ran to meet him and said, oh, Lord, we, we messed up, we repent. But they didn't. Matter of fact, they hid from him. See, how much easier is it for us if we just admit what we did and confess it and go on to the new thing that he's got for us? Because as long as you keep it in there and you're, and you're suppressing it, if you're suppressing it instead of confessing it, you can't get on to that new thing. I'm going to show you something. Y'all need to write this one down. Because, listen, you might as well confess it because God already knows about it. I want to show you this. It's hard to make you yell. Proverbs 28, 13. He who conceals his sins and does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. That's a pretty good scripture right there if you ask me. Don't conceal your sin. It's already known anyway. Talk to God about it. This is the thing that we don't understand enough about God and Jesus as our Savior. He's not going to shun us because we messed up. He just wants you to come and talk to him about it. And ask forgiveness and he'll forgive you. But no, we want to run off. We don't even want to admit we did it. Somebody else did that. Yes, I know I cut that guy out on the freeway, but did you say the way he was driving, Lord? <laughs> Listen, the Bible says we get a fresh start. He said the starting point to starting over is to be honest and face up to the problem. Most of our problems, most of our failures, we need to admit they're my fault. It's my fault, Lord. It's not my circumstance. It's not because I live in 
Wise County. It's not because uh, my parents didn't have no money. It's not because my daddy ran off when I was a baby. That's a problem. But that don't keep you from being a great person. Amen. It's hard to get people to admit when they're wrong. People don't like to admit, oh, I made a mistake, I blew it. God says that if we admit the mistake and we admit our failures and if we admit our sin, then we're going to get another chance to make it brand new. Isn't that awesome? The number one reason that we fail in life is because we don't prepare ourselves for the problems that we're going to have in this life. I want to show you another proverb in 27:12. Sensible people will see trouble coming and avoid it, but an unthinking person will walk right into it and regret it later. Now, I've changed that into a, a modern translation, but it's in your Bible, and that's what it means. If you got a lick of sense, you'll see it coming. But if you're an unthinking person, you're going to walk right into it and then regret it later. Listen, it was a common uh, term when I was growing up. Somebody would mess up and do something, and then somebody else would say, well, that, that old boy ain't got a lick of sense. How many times have you seen somebody walking right into something and you know what's going to happen? You just know it. I don't know. You know, you don't have to be a, the brilliantest counselor in the world. You know, because you've lived life. So you know certain things just because you've seen them over and over. You, don't, you know, I don't have to wonder if, if some man, married man, is counseling some single young woman behind closed doors that something bad's going to happen after a while. That, that's not a mystery to me. If it is to y'all, y'all need to come see me after the service and I'll explain it to you. It's this thing called biology that kicks in. Biology. Biology. I'm sorry, my Texas is speaking. Listen, but we're to pre- be prepared. We're supposed to look ahead. We're supposed to think about things. You see, before that, that adulterous affair started, you thought about it and you said, that's probably not good if I'm alone with her right now. But you did it anyway. Was it raining when Noah built a dark? Built the ark? Matter of fact, did you know this? It had never rained before in the history of the earth. And God told Noah, build an ark. Don't you know Noah must have been going, what, what? And God said, I'm going to make it rain. And Noah said, what's that? It never rained before Noah built and finished that ark. He did it by faith. And he did it because God told him to. And he said, I don't know why I'm building an ark. I don't even know what rain is. But I know this. There's wisdom in godly counsel, and God told me I ought to do it, so I think I'll just get on it, hand me that hammer. Amen? Matter of fact, the rain didn't come for 120 years. Did y'all know that? That's how long it took him to build that ark. That's sticking to it, isn't it? Amen? 
Why aren't we better prepared for trouble? Why don't we see it coming? Why don't we understand it? Why do things blindside us? Because we don't listen to others and we don't listen to good advice when it's offered and we don't read enough of this and get the advice out of this. There's nothing beset you that's new to man. What does that mean? It means you ain't going through nothing that ain't already happened and been written about. And when you talk to people and your friends or your pastor tries to, listen, I love y'all, but I got to tell y'all something just right now. Nine times out of ten, people come to me for advice, and I tell them something, and they do just the opposite of what I said. And then, then a month later, they're in there crying in my office about it. And I'm saying, I told you. No, I don't say that. But I want to. You know, I can give you the counsel of God's word, and I can give you the benefit of, of all my years of experience. But you are going to make up your mind ultimately what you're going to do. The Bible says this in Proverbs fifteen twenty two: Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. If you get yourself in a, a place where you need some advice, then surround yourself with godly counselors. I'm not, I'm telling you, listen, I'm just going to say this right now. Don't surround yourself with family. I'm just telling you because they don't have the ability to see objectively. They're biased for you. You need to surround yourself with godly counselors. You need people who aren't afraid to tell you the truth. Amen? And can I just say, this, uh, this breaks up a lot of churches. If you've got a pastor that's not afraid to tell you the truth, you should th- consider yourself blessed. I'm just telling you. But instead, a lot of people will, will don't consider it blessed because they, want, they don't really want counseling. They want somebody that agrees with them. I just, want, I just want to come. I want you to tell me that you agree with what I'm thinking. And when you don't tell them that, they get mad. Then all of a sudden, well, that pastor wasn't no count anyway. Don't get quiet on me. <laughs> This wasn't in my notes, but I'm just delivering my heart to you today. Amen? Look, you need to get all the advice you can, but you need good advice. You don't need lousy advice. You don't need advice from, from people who are afraid to tell you the truth. You need good, sound advice. Listen, why don't people do it more often? Why don't they go and seek out a godly counsel and get good advice? Because they think they don't need it. It's this thing called pride and ego. You know what ego stands for? You know what ego stands for? E-G-O. Edging God out. We let our ego, we put it in front of God and his word. Amen? When a person thinks they know more than God, they push him out of their life 
in their own an ego trip that leads to a dead end. The Bible said pride always leads to destruction. An arrogant attitude leads to a fall. When I think I know it all and I can figure it all out by myself, then I'm setting myself up for failure. If I don't listen to the advice of others, if I don't listen to the advice of my wife or uh, your husband or other believers around you, if you don't listen to that advice and if you think, well, I'll just do it my way, then if you do that, you will never get anywhere because you've already arrived at where you're going. The person that gets too big for their britches Well, I like this. Those who get too big for their britches will be exposed in the end. (laughs) Well, the problem, that's the problem with pride. See, is we fail to prepare and we fail to listen to other people. And when we do that, we fail as a result of it. We give up too soon. Listen, these are the three greatest causes for failure right here. We give up too soon. Proverbs 24.10. If thou faint in the day of adversary, then thy strength is small. In other words, you better have enough fortitude to get through some stuff. You might as well have it in you to get through it. And not complain. If you faint, then you don't have much faith to start with. It's good preaching. I might have to sit down and have Rhonda come up here and pre- preach the rest of it for me. Listen. This says... Uh, if you faint, but your, your, your Bible says uh, that, that that's fainting is the same thing as giving up. Failure is the path of least resistance. It's easy to fail. It's easy to fail. The problem is that often you're, you're, uh, during trying times, we stop trying. You heard that expression, when the going gets tough, the tough get going? When, when, when the times get trying, we quit trying. No. Welcome to the human race. Amen. Listen, if we give up, if at first we don't succeed, then we try, try again. That's what we got to do. And, uh, an old cowboy analogy is, if you get uh, thrown off of something, they say, well, you got to get right back on that horse. What should I do? Well, you get back on that horse. Listen, very few people make it on the first try. What do you mean? I see them on TV. Listen, do you know how many times Edison failed while trying to invent the light bulb? It's over 500. Over 500. You can look it up. Google it. He had... He had a lot of failures before finally that thing worked. And that's what I'm telling you. You might have a lot of failures, but if you stick to it and not give up like he could have easily have done, you know, after about the first 10 or 20 times, he could have said, I'll never get this thing right, so I quit. 
that we'd still be having candles in here today instead of lights. Thank God for people who don't give up. Amen? The Bible says we need to stop making excuses and admit when it's our fault and then get on with life. I've discovered that people who are very good at making excuses are very rarely good at anything else. I said people who are good at making excuses usually aren't good at anything else. And they some people good at making excuses, amen? People spend all, all their energy thinking up reasons why they can't do something instead of thinking of reasons why they can. So the S in start stands for stop making excuses. The T stands for take inventory of your life. I need to take an inventory of my life. What does that mean? That means I need to evaluate all my experiences. I need to look at what I have left after the failure. I need to take an inventory of my life experiences and learn from them. Galatians 3, 4 says, Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? This is Paul's way of saying, Y'all keep doing the same thing and you ain't learning from it. Hello? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed was it in vain? Listen, here's one thing that you need to know, church. Until you get things figured out in, in certain trials and tribulations that you're going through, until you get them figured out, and, and figure out how to go on past them, you're going to keep facing the same ones over and over and over and over. I don't believe God sends us, puts us through trials and tribulations, but I believe that God uses that experience to teach us something. And there's one thing that he can teach us more than anything is for us to step back and not make excuse and look and see how we got in that mess and not do it again. preaching now let me translate this for you you have experienced many things what were all those experiences wasted you know I hope not that's what he's saying the living bible says you have suffered so much for the gospel now are you going to throw it all overboard look we've got to learn from our mistakes failure can be your friend or your foe you determine if failure will be your friend or your foe by the way you react to it. You can choose to learn from it or you can choose to repeat it. If you learn from it, it can be a good friend of yours. You're saying failure can be your friend? Yes, I am. Because you can learn from it. Amen? However, if you don't learn from it, it's your foe. What do you mean, preacher? Well, here's four kinds of experiences that God uses to shape our lives. Pay attention now. He'll use your personal experience. What does that mean? Well, it means just what it says. He's going to use the family you grew up in, the kind of life you've had, 
the people you relate to. God can use your personal experience with your husband or your wife or your friends or your parents. The people you hang out with. He uses these personal experiences to shape you. And by the way, no one else has your personal experience. You're the only one that has your personal experience. It's unique to you. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> it's all right. We're going to get a new start this morning. Here's the other thing. Your vocational and educational experiences. What's that mean? That means your job, what you do. No one has the same experience you do. Well, there's, y'all, other people do, do what I do. But they don't have the same exact experience that you do at it. Your education. Well, I didn't finish eighth grade. Does, does that mean you're not smart? No. Some of the smartest people I know didn't finish school. My mama didn't finish school. One of the smartest women I ever met. You can ask my daddy. <laughs> He'll tell you. And my daddy got a college diploma. He'll tell you my mom was smart. There's a lot of people around uh, Chico that got a lot of money in the bank that don't talk just right, but they smart enough to make that money, wasn't they? So God's going to use that to help shape our lives. Your job, your education, or your knowledge. What else can he use? He's going to use your spiritual experiences. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, don't we all have different spiritual experiences? Well, what, what kind of experience? I'm talking about your experience like going to church or going on some kind of retreat or going on a missionary trip or just reading your Bible and having a quiet time with God. That can help shape your life. I want you to pay attention to this because I'm talking about shaping your life. Finally, this is the one we don't really like. He can use painful experiences to help shape your life. As a matter of fact, he does. And I'm not talking about just loss. I'm not talking about just your mom and daddy dying or your spouse dying. I'm not talking about just that. I'm talking about people who hurt you. Because you, you, while you're busy getting mad at them and plotting revenge, God is saying, hey, I can use this for you. I can use this. You can make something out of this. You don't have to get mad at them and try to get even. He said, leave that to me. But in the meantime, you learn from it. And don't put yourself in that position again for somebody to hurt you like that. Amen? As you take inventory of your life and starting over, you need to ask yourself three questions about everything. Number one, what have I learned? I know some people 40, 50, 60 years old, but they don't have a 40 or 50-year-old experience. What do you mean? I mean they've had the same year of experience over and over. They never grow. They grow older, 
but they never grow as a person. Amen? They've never, they don't learn anything. They keep going through the same thing. Now you need to ask yourself that. Then you need to ask what you've learned from past experiences. If you don't sit down and think it through, you'll end up with the same mistake over and over again because you didn't learn about it the first time. How many times have you done something and you sat there and said, before you did it, before you ever did it, you said, I know I shouldn't do this. But you do it anyway. And you end up with the same result that you did the first time. How many? You need to ask yourself, what are my assets? Well, preacher, I ain't got no money. Well, I ain't either. I'm not talking about those kind of assets. You need to ask yourself, what have I got going for me? Have I got my health? Have I got my freedom? Am I mentally sound? We're going to have a test later to see. Have I got good friends? Have I got good friends? Do I, do I have a good church for a background to hold me up? Have I got the Lord? I got a good church family and the Lord that cares for me. Then what do I have that, that I can get a fresh start with if I need to, to, to sweep, just wake up and start fresh tomorrow? What do I have? What are my resources? And then when you understand what your resources are, you need to appreciate your resources. Instead of putting, I'm just throwing this in by the Holy Ghost. You need to quit putting people who are gun, not going to do anything for you and are just going to try to drag you down, you need to quit putting them in front of the people who are there for you and your resources. Something. All those people I thought was my friends when I was down and out and didn't have nothing, they scattered like cockroaches. Hey, man, I need to borrow 20 bucks. I ain't, I'm sorry, man, I ain't got it. Liar, I just saw you cash your check. <laughs> I'm just telling you, when you start putting those people in front of the things that you should, if you're going to invest in something, you need to invest in your resources and your assets. Amen? And not invest in, in all those people that are going to run at the first sign of problems. Amen? When we need a fresh start, we need somebody by our side. We need a friend. We need an accountability partner. We need a support person or a support group. We need to find someone that can help us. We need other people because we don't start over by ourselves after a major setback or crisis. You need somebody else to walk along with you. There is one that we know we can count on to be there and help us get a fresh start in life. The Lord Jesus will be there, and he will help us pull our lives together, and he'll make sure that we get started on the right foot because he has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And I just believe him. Amen? Let's go to the next letter, the A. We need to act in faith. Y'all probably ain't going to be out at 12 o'clock, so just tell them. The third step in getting a fresh start is act in faith. You have to launch out into new territory. The Bible says that the key to changing anything is faith. If you want to change your circumstances, it takes faith. If you want to change your personality, it takes faith. If you want to change your job, if you want to change anything in your life, you have to have some faith. 
I want to change my health and the way I look, so I'm doing something. I have faith that if I exercise and watch what I eat, then I'm going to have, I'm going to have the change that I want. <coughs> Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. What does that mean, preacher? It means can you have faith for it? Because if you can have faith for it, it be unto you. That's Jesus' word right there in Matthew nine twenty nine. Lord, I believe I can be healthy because your word says so. Lord, I believe that I can get me a better job than I had before because your word says so. Lord, I believe my marriage can be better than it ever has been because your word says so. According to your faith, be it done unto you. That's a very simple statement. It, it's, it means you're going to get out of life what you expect. You're going to get out what you expect. According to your faith, it'll be done unto you. So what are you expecting in life? Are things going to be better or worse? Are they going to be the same? Are you looking forward to things getting better? Or are you just thinking they're just going to be the same? You know, if you act in faith, then you will do something positive to ensure that you don't repeat the same mistakes over and over. The faith I'm talking about is not a dead, I hope so faith. It's an affirmative faith that takes positive action coupled with the help of God to change your life. Look at this right here. In Acts 3. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. He was a, here was a beggar they had to carry around. Amen who seen Peter and John about to go in the temple, ask an alm. And Peter, fastening his eye upon him with John, said, Look at us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Listen. This man asked for something, and he expected to get it. Now, he got something different than what he thought. He thought they were just going to give him that silly old money. They gave him something a lot better, didn't they? The point is, this man acted in faith, and he was greatly rewarded beyond his expectations. It says here, he looked unto them expecting to receive something. When we pray, do we really expect to receive it? Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we expect to receive it? Amen. Many times we ask for something and we expect to get nothing. And when then we get exactly what we expected, nothing. In order to start acting in faith means you've got to stop having a pity party. You've got to stop feeling sorry for yourself. You've got to quit saying, poor me, I'm such a victim. Life is so unfair. Of course life is unfair. <clears throat> Whoever said it was fair, nobody said that. This is a world filled with sin, and because of that, life is unfair. But you have to go on with life anyway, don't you? You have to stop having a pity party and stop rehearsing the past and regretting the past and get on with the present and embrace the future. 
The more time we spend regretting our past, the more of our future is wasted. The more time you spend thinking, oh, I wish that hadn't happened. Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I could change that. If only I could go back and reverse the clock and redo history. You're just rehearsing and regretting, and you're not only making yourself miserable right now, but you're setting yourself up for more of the same thing in the future. The way you set yourself up for more failure is by focusing on past failures. Whatever you focus on, you tend to reproduce in your life. Let me repeat that. Whatever you focus on, you tend to reproduce in your life. What we need to do is learn from the past. Act in faith for the future and look to God for guidance. How do you get rid of fear of failure? You do it by faith. That's why the third step in uh, starting out in the word starting is, is act in faith. Act, faith is not so much the absence of fear as it is moving ahead in spite of fear. Let me say that again. Faith is not the absence of fear, but it's moving forward in spite of fear. Amen? Sometimes, faith is doing the thing that that you fear the most. Sometimes, you need to do it to conquer it. So stop worrying about what others may say or think. Let me show you something in Proverbs 29, 25. It says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. If we're doing something and we got our trust in the Lord, we're going to be safe. That's what the Bible says. The Living Bible translation says, The fear of man is a dangerous trap, but to trust in God means safety. Let's go to the next. We're almost done with this. The the R stands for refocus. Refocus. I need to refocus my thoughts if I want to change my life. If I want to get going again, I need a, and I want a fresh start, then I need to rethink the way I think. I need to change my mind about a number of issues. I need to, I, I need to uh, because what I did wasn't working good. <clears throat> Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Translation, be careful how you think, because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Amen? So the way you think determines the way you feel. And the way you feel determines the way you act. If you want to change your actions, just change the way you think. And it will inevitably change the way you act. If you're depressed, discouraged, and distressed, it may be because you're thinking depressed, discouraged, and distressing thoughts. That's your choice. You don't have to think those thoughts. If you're acting in fearful, worried ways, it's because you're thinking fearful, worried thoughts. Oh, don't make, don't shut me down now. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means I've got to think differently. That means I need to, to refocus. I need to, I need to just not even think like I was thinking before. I need to think different than I was thinking. 
if I have to refocus my thoughts to start over and get a fresh start, then I have to stop some of those old thinking patterns. Which memories are you still rehearsing that keep you from having a fresh start in life? The Bible says let it go. Let go of those things. The more you hold on to that memory, the more you rehearse it, the more it continues to hurt you today. It cannot hurt you without your permission. You have to change your mind, let it go, and get rid of those painful, hurtful memories of shame and guilt and all those other things that would bring you down that the devil would use to put you under his feet. You need to get rid of it, start thinking about who you are in God and in Christ Jesus, and you need to put the devil under your feet. Well, that's easy to say, Pastor. How do you do that? I'm glad you asked. First is confession. And you may say, well, I've confessed to God, but I still feel guilty. How do I get rid of a painful memory? Not by resisting it. Check this out. Now, this is the important part. You don't going to get rid of a, a bad memory by resisting it, but by replacing it. You have to replace it. You, got, you can't say, well, I'm not going to think about that anymore. I'm, just, I'm not going to think about it. Well, what are you doing when you say that the whole time? You're thinking about it. Listen, stop focusing on what you don't want and start focusing on what you do want. Is that easy? Don't focus on what you don't want, but focus on what you do want. I think I lost them. The point is, you've got to replace that thought inside your head with what you want to see and what you want the outcome. Don't hang on to that old thought and say, well, I'm just not going to think about it. Because if it's in your head, you're, you're bound to think about it. You've got to move it on out of the way and get that new thought. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the word of God. Amen. Listen, so what, I, what do I need to, to do? i, I got to refocus. you got to stop focusing on what you don't want and focus on what you do want. Get your attention onto something else. Replace those memories uh, every time they come up and start thinking about something else. Focus on something else. What should I focus on? I'm glad you asked. Psalms 1-1. <laughs> Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does, whatever he does, whatever he does shall prosper. So what's the key right there? Listen, there's two things that everybody wants in life. We all want to be happy, and we all want to succeed. I think we can all agree on that. And the antidote and the answer and the way we get to those is this phrase right here in the middle says, meditating on God's Word. How many of you know that you can replace a bad thought or a bad memory when you fill it with God's Word? Amen? And when you fill it with God's word, the more you meditate on God's word, the happier and more successful you'll be in your Christian life. It's a promise from God. Meditating on God's word simply means rehearsing God's word in our mind. 
And I've heard people say that, and I'm, I'm one of these. I, don't, I can quote a lot of scripture, but I don't always know exactly where it come from. But the important, important thing is, it's scripture. And if I replace a scripture with a bad thought that I had in mind, when something's happening to me and I say, oh, no, I've been through this before. You remember that time when? Or I can say something bad happening to me. I can say, whoa, no weapons formed against me is going to prosper. See, I, see what I did there? I just replaced my fear from that old experience to my faith and confidence in God's word. If we could ever get this down, we'd all be happy and prosperous, according to that. That's where the change takes place, is here inside of us. And that's the power to start over. Once we fill our mind with God's word, it begins to change our mind. And once we stop seeing ourselves as other people see us, or even as we have seen ourselves, and we begin to see ourselves as God sees us. What father looks at his children and says, what a, what a failure. There's no hope for this guy. What father doesn't look at his children and say, he's got such great potential, and I love him so. But I'm about to slap a knot on his head if he don't hurry up and get it together. Amen. Okay, let's go to the last T. Trust. The formula to help us get started to start is S, stop making excuses. T, take inventory of our lives. A, act in faith. R, refocus. And T, trust. Trust. That's one of the hardest things there is to do. But we have to trust God to help us succeed. We have to depend on him. We don't need to depend on ourselves. We've depended on ourselves before and we've let ourselves down. Amen. We've already proven that we can't do it on our own, and that's why we failed. Some people just don't get it. They'll stumble and they'll fall, and then they'll get up and say, well, I'll just try harder. It's just like knocking your head in, into a wall and beating your head up against it, and the wall doesn't fall down. You try and try, and bang, you keep going down, and bang, you keep knocking your head down, and bang, you keep going down, and you keep thinking, well, maybe it'll fall over this time. And it keeps not falling over. Listen, that's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. If we keep doing the same thing, then we will keep getting the same result. We can't change who we are. Only God can do that. And I'm not uh, speaking about the outward man, but I'm talking about the inner man. The real person who you are is the inner hidden person of the heart. Success in the Christian life is not trying harder but by living smarter, giving God control. I'm going to end up with this, church, Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. I don't care how hard you try to follow all these rules and regulations. I don't care how hard you try to, to, to be this and that. It, it, it's not by your might. It's not by your might. It's not by your power. But it's only by God's Spirit that can change any of us and set us on the right track and to change our lives and to make things different and to have a different outcome of the same things that we've been through that's knocked us down. It's by His Spirit.
Amen. So will you have a fresh start in life this morning? Will you have a new beginning? It's your choice. How can I have a fresh start? By doing these things right here. Amen. We need to take an inventory. We need to see where we're at. Would you all bow your heads, please? Now, I don't pretend to know where everybody is. No one knows your spirituality like you do, you and God. Y'all know where you are, and y'all know what you need. I'm just going to tell you this morning, before I open these altars, some of you is tired and you're weary. But I'm telling you this morning, God's going to be able to give you a start, a new start, a new beginning. Things are going to be brand new. You say, preacher, I'm, I'm 60 years old. I can't be brand new. I'm telling you, you can be brand new in Christ Jesus.